Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Be sure and check out our website, christ-life.org. Well, we are very excited about a new series that we're bringing you with Warren Litzman beginning today. It's the Foundation Study. Now, these will be the basic building blocks key to really grasping the Christ Life message. Very exciting. You're going to love it, and we're going to get right into it. The first one is called The Birthing, and that's what we're listening to this week. Here's Warren. Now, wouldn't it be good to find out what it is that really controls the whole world, not only the world we live in, but the whole universe is in the control of one idea, which I put under the heading of the liberating secret. It's something that was hidden in God, Paul said, before the world started, It was something that no man in the Old Testament knew anything about. And there were very few, if any, according to the scriptural record, who knew anything about that secret until Paul found out about it and told it to us in the epistles. Well, now that puts a whole new understanding and idea to the Word of God, doesn't it? Could it be possible that we lived all our life holding in our hand this precious book and never did really know and understand what it said and what its purpose was. Wouldn't that be an awful thing to have lived our whole life married to, united with, and loving the Word of God and never really knowing what it said? Uh, Physicist, a scientist, came to me not long ago who had been listening to some of the tapes And he said, if every scientist knew what it was and understood what it was you were saying on these tapes, they would have the answer to life and death and to every single problem in the universe. Well, you might think I'm a good Baptist preacher because as Baptists, we've always said Christ is the answer. But that becomes kind of common and ordinary, and is even a bumper sticker and doesn't mean anything anymore. But the liberating secret is a term which identifies the whole of what God's doing in the universe and is the explanation for everything there is in this world. Now, how would we be able to find that one secret that was hidden in God? Where would we start to look for it? Well, in the Christ life, I have centered three scriptures which are categorically uh, representative of one idea that comes out of the Bible, and that is that there are at least 14 scriptures that use the terminology before the foundation of the world. Well, now, if we were to find what is the liberating secret that runs the universe, where would we really start? Well, obviously we would have to start with God. That's where Genesis 1 and 1 starts, in the beginning, God. And we can't start with ourselves, because man is, as it were, a leaf on the flow of time being carried about. If you're not old enough to know that, that's really the way it is, because you're not determining your destiny. It's being determined for you. You're making decisions according to he who determined your destiny. And so you and I really don't 
have a lot to do with it. If someone was to ask you when your life started, what would you say? Your first idea would be, well, I had a mom and a daddy, and they got together, and I came out of their love, their union. No, that's not when you started. Well, somebody else would say, oh, I got started when I was saved. That's when I was really birthed. I was really born when I got saved. No, you don't start there either. Well, you may go all the way back to Adam and say, I come out of Adam, my forefather. But you can't start there either. You have to start with this idea that was in God, a God idea. And that idea began before the foundation of the world. What was behind this great God idea? Well, before anything was created that is, the Bible tells us in three different areas of Scripture that God had a houseful of creatures. He had a whole bunch of creatures living in his house, maybe millions. And being a father God, he took one of these creatures and placed him as a son, didn't birth him as a son. He just took one of these creatures and placed him as a son, and we know that to be Lucifer, and one day this son, Lucifer, who's called son of the morning in Isaiah 14, decided that he was bigger than God and tried to throw God out of his house, and what God had at that time was a bunch of creatures he had created with no sonship qualities in them, nothing bearing the earmarks of God's nature. Well, now, if I was to ask you who you thought God was, the first thing come to your mind, even a small child, would be God is love. So if God is love, all he wants out of the creature is reciprocal love. That's what he didn't get out of Lucifer. But God doesn't want to create a creature to love him. He wants a creature to love him because of who he is. So now God stood as it was as a father, who had no sons of his own and wanted to fill his house. That's where the great God idea came about, right at that time. So I want you to take your Bible and mark the one little verse that tells us exactly what God thought at that very moment. Now, there's nothing created, no creature created. There's no Satan turned loose yet. There's no sin in the universe outside of Satan. Turn to Ephesians, the first chapter, and I want you to mark it if you haven't already, verse 4. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, according as God hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, that's the biggest mouthful there is in the Bible, that one little line. According means that everything that has to do with God is based on this one idea. That's what the word according says. Now, accordingly to this idea, God himself chose all the sons, but he didn't choose the sons for themselves. He chose them in Christ. When did he do it? before the foundation of the world. So that's the biggest mouthful in the whole Bible to me, that God has chosen all that are to be his 
to be in Christ before the foundation of the world. Well, you already know, I'm sure, from hearing the message of the Christ life again and again, that the most often singly stated truth in the New Testament is the idea in Christ. Stated more than any other one single term, the only term that would rank anywhere near it is the term faith. Would you think there'd be something mentioned more in the Bible than the word faith? There is. It's in Christ or any synonym that has to do with in Christ. So that's the most important thing that we were chosen in Christ or chosen for Christ to be in us. Now, all that happened before anything was created. Now, where does the great liberating secret come in? Well, it comes in from this statement, in Christ. The simple fact is, how is God going to get a creature that loves him? Well, it's obvious he cannot create a creature that loves him because that wouldn't be love if he made us do it or made us to do it. So he had an idea. The liberating secret was, I will take a part of myself called God the Son and I will place that part of myself in the creature. And that's how we come to the number one truth written in the New Testament in Christ. God himself said that the only way I can ever get reciprocal love and get a creature who will do what it is I want a son to do is to take that son part of me, God the son, and by miracle place that son in the creature. Now, that's the secret that runs the universe. That's what was hidden in God before the world ever started. Well, that's an awesome thing. What that literally means is that God's going to create a free moral agent just like you with eyes and ears and legs and arms and a mind and he's going to fix the destiny of your life so that one day you'll come to an idea that I cannot save myself. I need help. My life is in turmoil. I can't work it out myself. I need help. And at that moment, God's great secret is going to go into effect because you're going to turn to Jesus. And when you turn to Christ and simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God is going to work the liberating secret in you that runs the universe. Now, it's a secret. Multitudes of believers who are saved still don't know that liberating secret. They have terminology. They have all the words, but they don't really understand how it is that God got Christ in them. Well, that's not hard to figure out. The only way you can possibly, as a human, get another person in you is to have a conceivement and bring about a birthing. There's no other way to do it. From the time that God said that I'm going to put Christ in the creature to the time that he first did it, approximately 4,000 years went by so that everything that happened for 4,000 years of human time never had anything to do with the liberating secret other than God was setting the stage to bring it about. 
as I stand here and talk to you, you've got to get it in your mind that you know something that Isaiah didn't know, or Moses, or Abraham, or Isaac, or Jacob, or Adam. You know something that no one in this world knew for 4,000 years, and that was that the only way a creature would ever please God would be for God to take a part of himself and put it in the creature. That's why throughout the whole Old Testament, every man said, do this, do that, and you'll please God. God said, okay, they can go that way. They can do it by their own works. They've got to offer sacrifice. They kill an animal. They shed blood. They get ready for Calvary. They point to the cross. But that's not going to save them because there's no life in anything they do. There's no life in it. You'll understand that by the time... We get through here, the Lord willing. So God waited 4,000 years until a momentous moment came about. The first most momentous moment in the history of all time was when Jesus first began his preaching ministry. It's recorded in the third chapter of John where we get the golden text of the Bible, so-called John 3.16. But what it was... There was a man who was the ruler of the Jews named Nicodemus. Now, you've got to understand, the ruler of the Jews is the highest monkey monk you can have. He's the tallest, the biggest, the greatest. And God fixed it like that, that one day this ruler of the Jews, who had heard about Jesus performing miracles and had heard about his, te his teaching, came to him and said, I perceive, Jesus, that you are a great rabbi sent from God. It was obvious that Nicodemus wanted to talk to Jesus about spiritual matters. He wanted to talk to him about Moses and the law and many of the wonderful things that had happened during that 4,000-year period. But do you know what Jesus did right out of the clear with no explanation, with no other words to it? Right out of the clear, Jesus looked at this greatest spiritual leader on earth, the ruler of the Jews, and he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God, or better, you cannot understand anything God is doing unless you are rebirthed. Well, now that's pretty far out. That's kind of like me going up to one of the greatest religious preachers today, choose one of our big television preachers, or choose one of our denominational leaders, and me walking right up to them just out of the clear and say, friend, I can't even discuss spiritual matters with you because you've never been born again, and until you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You see, what was behind that statement, Nicodemus was advocating, as all Jews were at the time, that an earthly kingdom was going to be set up, and God's promises throughout the Old Testament for those 4,000 years was going to all collect at one time, and a king would take over Israel, and Nicodemus wanted to discuss that. Jesus said, there's no use us discussing such things out of the law. They don't matter. Until you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. Now, what did that mean? 
That meant that the kingdom was never going to be set up on this earth as far as the plan of God was concerned at the time because the kingdom was to be in man in time. And that was so radical that Nicodemus, of course, didn't understand it. Well, the end of that conversation was that Nicodemus did the only rational thing there was to do. He said, well, does that mean I go back into my mother's womb and come out a second time? Jesus never answered it. That's the wonderful thing about this. Jesus never answered him. Instead, Jesus did a very strange thing. He said, Nicodemus, it's like the wind blowing. You don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going. That's what it means to be born again. What was that? That was the introduction of the liberating secret. That was the introduction of a mystery. What did it mean? It literally meant that you must have a rebirthing before you can ever see the things of God. Now, I'm going to be very blunt with you. We have multitudes today who I will never argue nor discredit being saved, born again, children of God, but who do not see the things of God at all because they don't understand the birthing process. Nicodemus didn't understand it, and Jesus didn't explain it to him. Now, that's very important. Why didn't Jesus explain to him what it meant to be born again? Why did he say a, a, a funny thing like it's the wind blowing? The reason was it was a mystery. It was a mystery. Nicodemus had already called Jesus a rabbi. And there was established one important factor at that point. When Jesus wouldn't answer his question, he took it out of the hands of rabbis, preachers, prophets, apostles, and everybody else to explain the mystery. He himself, as the Son of God, would not explain that birthing process. Why didn't he do it? Because one day, like in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and 10, the Apostle Paul would be destined to say, Ear hath not heard, eye hath not seen, neither hath it in the heart of man, the things that God had prepared for them. That's the liberating secret. The liberating secret that God's prepared for mankind. But these deeper things, Paul says, can only be revealed to you by the Spirit. Now that's pretty important, you see. In the last series of messages that Jesus gives in John 14, 15, and 16, he lays out something very important concerning the Holy Spirit. What these three chapters really do is introduce the Holy Spirit by Jesus to the world. He who is yet to come. He who is coming. In John 14 and 20, Jesus specifically says, On that day, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall know, K-N-O-W, you shall know that I'm in you and you're in me. Now that's one of the most important statements to me in the whole Bible. Because if we don't understand that, we'll not understand this liberating secret. Because Jesus said that only when the Holy Spirit is come will you know who you are. Will you know what God has done? Will you know that I'm in you and you're in me? You'll only know that when the Holy Spirit has come. 
Well, it's pretty obvious. The Holy Spirit came and multitudes didn't get that at all. They didn't get any knowledge about the birthing at all. They didn't get any understanding about how Christ is in a creature and the creature is in Christ. We don't have anything written about it in the book of Acts. We have nothing said about it in Acts 2, the glorious day of Pentecost. We have nothing said about it by all the Pentecostal preachers who are speak, spoken of in the book of Acts. The whole of what the Holy Spirit came to do, as far as Jesus was concerned, got missed. Just like it is in our world today. Multitudes today misuse the Holy Spirit. They make him power. They make him a blessing. They make him the gifted one. They make him something to man himself. <clears throat> Jesus never allowed that. He said when he comes, he will not do anything of himself nor speak of himself. He shall take the things of mine and reveal them unto you. What was it? It was a mystery that needed to be revealed. What? That Christ was in man. Who would do that? The Holy Spirit would do it. And the reason why Jesus didn't answer Nicodemus was because that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to reveal the Son, to reveal Christ in the believer. So it got missed in the book of Acts. Blessed is the book of Acts is. And we have no record until some years later in Galatians 1 when Paul received a revelation of Christ as his life that men ever begin to write of this in the Scriptures. So that's very important, you see. A mystery. The most ironical thing I find in the Scriptures is that the Apostle Paul never used the term born again. Now, that bothers me. That makes him a non-Baptist right off. Because you can't be a Baptist and not preach on being born again. Isn't that so? I mean, most of you have heard those sermons again and again because at least half of us sitting in this room have been Baptist before we were anything else. So, you see, we've heard that again and again. But that doesn't mean we know anything about it. And the Apostle Paul never used the term. Now, that bothered me when I first got a hold of it. For instance, he used the term born of a woman, born of the flesh. He had us born a lot of ways, but he never had us born again. He never preached on the term rebirth. But what he did do over 20 times in his writings was call salvation a mystery. Oh, that, that was fitting the Christ life message. I mean, that fit Christ to the T. Why? Because Jesus himself didn't preach the birthing message. Why? Jesus says it is a mystery. Paul says only the Holy Spirit can reveal mystery. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal the mystery. And so now, we see that Paul uses the term freely again and again. When you read the epistle, you need to mark the term mystery. Now, Paul speaks of seven mysteries. And the reason I ask you to, to, to mark it is because not every time he says mystery is the same. He even says marriage is a mystery. And he says uh, the coming of the Lord is a mystery. And he says iniquity is a mystery. Uh, he's got a lot of mysteries. But the mystery of godliness is Christ in you, our only hope. 
That's a mystery. How do you come to know that? You can only come to know that by the Holy Spirit. Well, you say, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit for years. Holy Spirit never told me that. That's because we've misused the Holy Spirit and have not preached the true gospel. We've preached a part of it. But truth is not preaching a little good or a little bit of the gospel. Truth is preaching a person. If we had really preached Christ, if we had seen him as truth rather than doctrine, if we had seen the Bible as the word Jesus instead of a bunch of doctrines and theological conclusions, we might have come to know what is the liberating secret that runs this universe. So Paul called it a mystery. Now I want you to mark 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 5 and verse 17. That's such a popular verse. Everybody knows that little verse. It simply says, therefore. Notice now, this is another summation scripture. It's like Ephesians 1 and 4. That's a summation scripture because it begins according, saying according to everything that God has done, this is the way he did it. This is a summation scripture because it begins with a therefore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. Now that might throw you a little bit because we want to read this as a letter to Christians, even though it's to the church at Corinth. They were born again. They were Christians. And it should read to be a little better. Therefore, if any man knows he is in Christ, if he knows that, then he is a new creature. And all things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Now, we want to talk about that verse a little bit. It simply says here that if any man knows that he's in Christ, that by some way Christ got into him, he is a new creature. That's King James Version. Now, your Amplified Bible is going to render that line, is, uh, render that line as that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, that enlarges it. Because what we really have in Christianity today is a religious idea that everybody saved is a new creature, meaning that we are not a created new creature, but we're an old person made better. Now, you've got to face it. That's really the way you think about yourself. And what really discourages and hurts you is the fact that you don't feel like yourself is really new at times or really what you ought to be at times. But the facts are, you're not just a new creature made new. Because you don't understand the birthing, we keep this little idea, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be good. I'm not good today, but I'll be good tomorrow. You watch me. That's our concept of a new creature that I really got it out there. I'm really headed in that direction. That's impossible. You're never going to get better. You're not getting any better. Those who lie are not stopping their lying. Those who steal are not stopping their stealing. Those who curse are not stopping it. Why? You can't make yourself better. It was never God's intention you be better. It was never God's intention you be good on your own. And that's our concept that... Praise the Lord, I'm a, new cre I'm, I'm, I'm a new creature, and I'm headed to something better because God's fixed it for me. You missed the point. And that's why we fail as Christians. That's why we're not steady. 
That's why we don't quit our sinning. That's why people like holiness churches and like uh, law churches. Because every time you come to church where you've been sinning, you want somebody to hit you over the head and hurt you real good. Because that'll make you feel better for a few days till you go back and do it again. That's religion. There's no change because there's no concept change. There's no understanding that there's any change in your mind. So you want somebody to preach hard against your sin and preach hard against your unrighteousness and tell you to be right and be good. I did that for years. I'd have people stomp their foot and say, that's really good preaching. And nobody had any intention of living it at all. <laughs> the reason they had no intention is that they thought they were a new creature. I'm becoming better. By my death day, I'll be pretty good. When I get on my sick bed, I won't be sinning so much. I'll be a lot better. When I die, I'll be a lot better. We had no concept of a birthing, you see. We didn't know anything about the birthing. And the reason we didn't understand that we, what a new creature was, according to King James, is that we didn't know what it meant to be in Christ, the first line of this fifth verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. We didn't understand how you get in Christ. Now, the Amplify says that you're not just a new creature. You're a new creation. That adds to it. That means that God doesn't take the old and make it better. That's not what a Christian is. He's not a changed person. He's a totally exchanged life. That's what new creation means. means that God didn't take the old say, I'm going to make you a little better now. You were once a drinker. You're not going to be a drinker anymore. That isn't what salvation is at all. And that's where we've been mistaught. What God did when you were saved, when you were born again, was to say, I'm making a whole new Creation here. Aha! You're still the same old person in your thinking. What you didn't know was what life is. You thought life was the way you live. No, sir. The life, the only life there is, is in the Son, in Christ. And you didn't understand the life. So even though the Amplifier says that it's uh, great, we're new creations, that's still not good enough because a lot of people had amplified Bibles and all us old Baptists have run around talking about new creation. We even got that on bumper stickers now and refrigerator doors. We sing songs about it so it's become common to where we don't understand that that's the essence of the liberating secret that runs the universe. So Johnson, a theologian who writes translation from the Greek, came out with another line that said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new race of people. That's the first time I ever saw a term for a Christian that was conducive to what the rest of the scriptures taught. You've read them. Scripture says we're strangers and sojourners. We're not a part of this earth at all. We're a heavenly people. We've never intended to be an earthly people. We're not an earthly people. we got a lot of our faith friends that are wanting us to become earthly people because they're preaching covenants and they're preaching the kingdom. That's an earthly message. They're believing that the Jews are going to be restoring the land. We're going to have perfect healing and we're going to have uh, Jesus back on this earth. That's a millennium. That has nothing to do with this new life in Christ. They missed the point. The kingdom is in us now. It's not going to be rebuilt. No covenants don't apply to us. Just one new covenant. The new covenant is we're saved by a lamb. 
who is our life? By his blood. There is no other kingdom for we Gentiles. We're heavenly people. Scripture says that again and again. Paul says we, like Abraham, are looking for that city. We found it. We are not of earthly Zion. We're of a heavenly Zion. We're a heavenly people. We're a whole new race of people, you see, and we don't understand that. How do you get to be a race of people? You have to be birthed by fathers. But it can't be the same father that you had in the previous race. There's no way you can be changed from one race to another. Now, we've had a lot of people that's tried to become Jews. A number of our black notable people have joined the Jewish religion and say they're Jews now. Paul said they who say they're Jews are not Jews. Why? Because you can't change races. First, we've got some black folks who joined Islam. They think they've changed races. That they're now Ishmaelites. Can't be. They're still blacks. Still African. You don't change races. How then do we get to be a new race? To be a new race of people, you've got to have another father who is that race. God doesn't change us from one thing to another. He has a whole new race of people on this earth that are not earthly, but are heavenly. We hope you've enjoyed this amazing study today with Warren Litzman. This is the beginning of our new series called The Foundation Study. And again, these are the basic building blocks we're going to be bringing you each week that are key to grasping the Christ Life Message. Today's was called The Birthing, and we hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to go to our website, christ-life.org. Read all about us, and especially we would love you to go to the top of the page and click on the Fellowship tab and learn how you can start your own church in the home. It is terrific. It's a blessing to do it, and we have people all over the world that are currently doing it, and you can too. Christ-life.org. Click on the fellowship page right at the top. It's free. And we'd like to thank Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into these archives each week to find these great messages. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, she does our weekly podcast notes. And Teresa Ferraro is our producer each week from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.